Well, today we're going we're gonna to focus in on the day of Pentecost. And we haven't preached on this for a while uh, in our church. And there's maybe some of you who are new to this or uh, maybe you just need a refresher or who knows. God might bring a new understanding to you, a new breakthrough. And so we're, we're going to look at the account of the day of Pentecost. We're going to start there. Uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna talk today about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, I know there's a few of you who I've never seen before, so welcome guests and thank you for being with us today. Um, and this will give you a little bit of, uh, heart of who we are as a church, that we are a spirit-filled church. We do believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the, the gifts that God has poured out and promised in the Word of God that, uh, He didn't stop it. Uh, it didn't stop with the book of Acts. Uh, that the book of Acts is still being lived. It's not being written, because no more of the Bible is going to be written, but it's still being lived out. And so, the first day of Pentecost happened uh, almost 2,000 years ago, and it was 50 days uh, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It says in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse uh, in the first part of Acts chapter 1, it says, for... Forty days that he appeared to his disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And so before Jesus left, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Earlier in the book of Luke, uh, kind of in a different setting, Jesus says, hey, you're going to wait. I want you to wait and stay until you're clothed with power from on high. And so it says, For John baptized with water, this is Acts 1 and 5, but in a few days you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so they were gathered around him and they wanted Jesus to establish his earth, an earthly kingdom. And Jesus says, that's not why I'm here, basically. But he says in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So right here, this verse gives us the purpose and the reasoning for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to quickly, <laughs> I think, you all got lunch plans? No. <laughs> I do. Um, <clears throat> see if God does. Um, we're going to go through all the accounts in the book of Acts where people are filled with the Holy Spirit, where they have not experienced that at first, and then they experience that. And we'll see if God can bring to light some things. But the, the main thought is here is this, that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so we can be a witness for Jesus. So that my life can reflect who he is. It's not just about talking. It's not, it's not just about me sharing my faith or going out on the street. That's fine too. We're all for that. But it's about a life that gives a testimony about Jesus. Cause that's, what does a witness do? When you have a witness come into a courtroom, they give their testimony. They say what they have seen and heard and experienced. And so the idea is this, you have to see and hear and experience something from God or you can't be a witness. 
You know, in the book of Acts, and this is, here's the deal. These guys have been with Jesus for three years, and Jesus had been risen from the dead. But he still said, wait. So three years with Jesus and the resurrection was not enough for them to be who they were called to be. Jesus said, no, don't do anything. And it says they waited for ten days. They were seeking God and praying and meeting together in one place, it says. It was in an upper, in an upper room. And so it, that's how important it was that Jesus said, hey, I'm even raised from the dead. I'm going to heaven, but you still need to wait. You need the promise of the Father. And he quotes what uh, John the Baptist said, because John the Baptist said, hey, there's going to be one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Here it says, that's, it's Jesus. So Jesus, that's a good thing to know is that Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. It's a work of Jesus. We're a four square church, and so we believe four things about, four key things about Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. That Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is the healer. And that Jesus is the soon coming king. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13.8. It's right now. It's on the back wall. Someday we'll get it up on the front wall again. <laughs> I, I prophesy it in the name of Jesus. Um, but I don't write very pretty. So I can't do it. So I want us to look at Acts chapter 2. This is the first account. This is the first time where the Holy Spirit descends upon the and births the church and makes the people of God, the the new covenant people of God. And so if you'll open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we're going to read a little bit of the Bible today. I hope you don't mind that. Um, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word as we continue to read it this morning. Give us revelation in Jesus' name. Give us understanding in Jesus' name. So it says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Notice it was a sound. There wasn't wind. It wasn't actually wind coming through the wind. The window didn't get left open. This says there was a sound. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, pillars of fire that separated and rested and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say all. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why were there God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem? Well, because it was one of the feasts. Uh, this was the, you know, it was the feast of, of Shavuot, Shavuot. So, um, they would have been there. They would have been there for, you know, the Passover time is, is, is one of the feasts. And so this was another key feast for the Jewish people. And so they were all in that place to be a part of that celebration. And so it says, when they heard this sound, we don't even know what the sound is. It says like at least 3,000 people showed up after this sound was heard. It was incredible. I, I submit to you that it was even more than them just praying in tongues. 
that there is something more. Because you get 120 people in a city doing something, and you're not going to draw a crowd of, of three to 5,000 people. So there was something supernatural. Some of them heard. And when they got there, it says um, they... They became bewildered. It says they were in, they came together in bewilderment. They were, wow, they were amazed because each one heard their own language being spoken and utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own, in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, etc., Cretans, Arabs, okay, they were from everywhere. Okay, you got that? <laughs> we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And somehow, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen somebody drink too much wine and suddenly speak a different language. Okay, now I've seen them, you know, speak languages that I've heard before on the bad movies. Okay, but that's not a new language, okay? It's not languages they never learned before. They already knew them. And so then Peter stood up with the eleven, it says, verse 14, and raised his voice and says, Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen careful. Carefully to what I say, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so he quotes the Old Testament promise of God in Joel chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and and fire and billows of smoke the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the lord and everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved so that's the end of the quotation of joel 2 then he continues fellow israelites listen to this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He was letting them know, you've seen this. And this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate pan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter continues to preach. It's a really long sermon. We don't even have all of it. Uh, at the end of it, he says, uh, they said, what can we do? What shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so here's the deal. We are some of the ones that are far off, right? We are 2,000 years after this day happened, and he is saying that this is still for us. And Peter says, look, this is that. This is what has been spoken of by the prophet. This is not something God has, you know, just decided to do a new thing. It's like he's already been talking about it for a while, that he's going to do something amazing in the last days. So when did the last days begin? This day. 
That's a different sermon, so I'm not going to go there. Just That's free. That's from the Foundations class, too, if you want to join. Uh, next time in the fall. And so they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. You know, Peter is totally changed. Before, just a, just a few weeks earlier, just a few weeks earlier, a little servant girl comes up to Peter and says, hey, you're a follower of Jesus, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. And it says he actually was swearing, like he was calling down curses, like he started cussing to just prove, hey, just so you know, now you know I don't follow Jesus. Look, I'm cussing. <laughs> and so he's like, no, no, no. So here's all these people come, this huge crowd comes. Who stands up? The one who was scared of one little person saying, hey, do you know, are you following Jesus? And he stands up. He's been changed. He's been transformed. There's something supernatural that has happened that's turned Peter from a person who's afraid of people to a person who is bold for God. That was an evidence and a witness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his life, that Peter was never the same from that day forward. Everything Peter did from that point on, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was changed. He was different. He had insight and knowledge. He had faith. He saw miracles. He had seen some miracles before, but he he saw miracles by the leading of the Spirit, not just by Jesus saying, go and do this. It was now personal. It was on the inside. His heart was changed. God promised when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to write my law in your heart. It's not going to be on a stone tablet somewhere. It's not going to be just in a book where you just read about it. You're going to have something written on your heart where you're going to be a witness. You're going to begin to look like Jesus. You're going to begin to do the same things as Jesus. We don't ever become God. Let's not get confused. Nobody's supposed to worship us. But we become like Jesus because... What are the people of God called the body of Christ? Who is some, how is somebody going to know what Jesus looks like unless they see Jesus in me? And if I don't, Jesus says, if I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. We must do the same thing. If I don't live like Jesus, then don't believe me. If I don't do the same things Jesus did, then don't believe what I'm saying. Because if I'm giving a witness, I am have a witness of my life that I've been transformed. And I have the love of God and the power of God in my life. Because that's what Jesus looks like. I guess I'm preaching today, not teaching. So, <clears throat> Let's go to the next one, because we've got to get through these here. Acts chapter 8. Some of these, I'm just gonna, we're not going to read the whole account. But if you want to on your own time, I encourage you, if you've never read through the book of Acts, just read the whole thing. Uh, it's all good. Acts chapter 8 is the next account. This is... Uh, when uh, a gentleman named Philip, who was assigned to like help serve food, and then he started, you know, the apostles laid their hands on him, and then he starts doing miracles and preaching everywhere. Not sure if he ever handed out the food uh, to the widows, but I, apparently he did, or was a very good delegator, because then he he goes off to Samaria. Now here's the deal: Some, it's very important to understand who the the people in Samaria were. They were they were the Samaritans. You ever heard the the account of the? The Good Samaritan, you know, the, the parable that Jesus told. You know, the Samaritans were like the, the half-breeds. They were the, they were the people that all the Jews were prejudiced against. So here the Holy Spirit breaks out and says, hey, it's all good when it's all like us. And then the Holy Spirit's going, hey, you're gonna go somewhere for the people you have something against. 
where you they they're different than you, they look different than you, they act different than you, they think different than you, they believe different than you, and so you're gonna you're gonna be sent to them. So Philip goes, he starts, all these amazing things start happening, and so then Philip says, Well, let's say hey, he gets on the cell phone, okay? Hey, Peter and John <laughs> There wasn't really cell phones. He got on you know, he sent word and said, Hey, uh all this stuff is happening here and we need you to come and they need to receive uh the Holy Spirit. And it's, let's pick up. That's what happens here. And it says, now for some time a man named Simon, this is verse 9 of chapter 8. A man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they, but, Look at this. God that was just handing out food. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they're baptized in water. And Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they had only come to salvation. Here's an here's a evidence in the Scriptures that they came to know Jesus, they believed in Jesus, they were baptized in water, but they had not received the fullness, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and it says they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And he said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Peter didn't read, uh, you know, how to be sensitive at church, obviously, right? <laughs> He's like, we're going to just cut right to the chase here, brother. You're going to cut to the chase and ask for something that's totally out of order, that is totally from the enemy. You're trying to deceive and, uh, and here's the deal. There are some things that sometimes hinder us from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right here it says he was full of bitterness. And so, man, if you've got bitterness in your life, I'm gonna go over these a little bit fuller at the end. There's, there's things that can hinder us from being able to receive. It's not that, it, it's not that God doesn't want to, it's that God wants to free you and then empower you. He doesn't want you empowered you know, in darkness. It's kind of like when, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, you know, he had to kick them out of the garden. You're like, God, why did you have to kick them out of the garden? 
In Genesis, you know, they sin, they disobey God, and he says, I've got to get them out of the garden or they're gonna, they can eat the tree of life and they'll live forever. In other words, they will forever be stuck in this state of darkness and sin. So in my goodness, I have to get you out of the garden. You can't eat the tree of life till you've been free, till you are coming to the covenant with me, till you've been saved and sanctified and set free, and then you can receive. Because he doesn't want to empower darkness, he wants to empower his presence and his, and his life in you. And so, this guy was just a representative, and so Simon said, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing may happen. After they further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. See, before this, all the apostles and all the leaders of the church, they'd never stepped foot in Samaria. They were still holding on to their prejudices. They were still holding on to the, to the separation of peoples. Man, don't we need that today? You know, we've got separation of all kinds of separations that people are dividing over. And it's the people of God that reach across the barrier with the love and the gospel of Jesus that breaks down those barriers. It's not politics that's gonna, that's gonna save us. It's Jesus that's gonna save us. And so they begin, you know, they weren't even the ones. It wasn't the, the twelve apostles, you know. It wasn't any of those guys, the ones that had been with Jesus. It's just Philip. He just minded his own business, following the Holy Spirit. He ends up there, and it opens up a whole new region for people to receive Jesus, salvation, the goodness of God, deliverance, and the infilling of the Spirit. So that's Acts chapter 8. So I want us to go to Acts chapter 10, or Acts chapter 9, excuse me. This is the account of Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul. Saul is one who's persecuting the church. When all this stuff starts happening and breaking out, he says, guess what? This is not God. I'm going to stand against this, these people, and I'm going to start, he starts killing them. He starts taking them to prison. He has authority from the religious leaders and leaders in Jerusalem. He's going to other towns. He is so, he is so zealous to say, hey, this stuff's not right. This is not God. This is not God. So, all that happens, and then Saul is traveling uh, to, to Tarsus, or to Damascus. Is it Tarsus? Hold on. In Damascus. Sorry. He was from Tarsus. So he's traveling to Damascus. He want, he's going there to arrest people, and it says that Saul encounters Jesus. He has a revelation of Jesus. Hey, you know, Jesus is still at work. <laughs> so Jesus, sometimes Jesus has to do some things. He's like, look, I'm going to take care of this one myself. I'm not going to use anybody else uh, at the moment. I'm just going to appear to this guy right here. And he appears to Saul and says, guess what? This is me, buddy. You're actually wrong. I'm just summarizing this in my the John version. Okay, You're wrong. I'm right. Hello, I'm Jesus. And guess what? You're going to be blind until you get to Damascus and someone's going to pray for you. A man named Ananias is going to pray for you. And so um, it says there was a man named Ananias in Damascus and he hears from God and God tells him, Hey, I want you to go to a certain street and I want you to find this guy named Saul and you're going to pray for him. And, of course, Ananias says, I've heard about this guy, and he's, put, he's here to arrest me, so I don't want to go there. And God says, no, guess what? I've chosen him. doesn't matter what he was like before. You know, God, when God chooses you, he doesn't worry about what you were before. It, it, does, it doesn't matter. He says, know what? I'm going to choose you. I've chosen you to do something. He's like, I've chosen Saul. He is, he is my one that's going to go to the Gentiles. 
And so in verse 17, it says this, Then Ananias went to the house, he obeyed, and he placed his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Of course, later on, Saul becomes Paul, and he writes all kinds of books in the New Testament. He writes 1 Corinthians, and in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And what does Paul say? He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we know that Saul actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the ability to speak and pray in a language that was not familiar to him, to pray in tongues from this moment. It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this real quickly, is, is this. There are some people that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not inside the church meeting. And look, I'm, maybe I'm preaching to myself too here. <clears throat> we need Ananiases. We need Ananiases because there are some people who may not ever get in this building. But they need to have an encounter with Jesus and with the, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You may be an Ananias. God may say, I'm calling you to be an Ananias. You're going to go to some street, and you're going to end up in places that you didn't think. You're going to be with people who you never thought you'd pray for, and you're going to lay your hands on them, and they're going to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So that's the third account of someone being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 10 is the next one. If you want to turn there, it's the next page probably in your Bible. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to summarize this account too quickly. It says that Peter, uh, the apostle Peter, was uh, staying with uh, a person in Joppa, and he has a vision. And he sees animals come down that he didn't eat because he was a Jew, and God says, hey, I want you to kill and eat these. He says, no, God, I don't do things that are unclean. I don't eat anything that's unclean. And uh, it says, God says, hey, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And so that happened three times. And then it says there's a knock at the door. Uh, and there was men who were sent from a, a gentleman named Cornelius who had sent, who had had a vision of an angel that said, hey, send some people to this certain house. There's a guy named Peter staying there. And bring him back and have him tell you whatever he wants to tell you. So Cornelius is like, okay. He's just a, a God-fearing Jew at this point. He's, he's, one, he's a convert. He's not, he's not of Jewish descent. He's a Gentile who became a Jew, who was following the Jewish law at that time. And it's, So he was a seeker of God, basically. But he didn't yet know Jesus. He didn't yet know what was going on. He didn't know the fullness of what God was revealing in the New Covenant at the time. And so God appears to him and says, I need to get you. I need to get Peter to you. So I'm going to tell you to send for Peter. Because Peter doesn't even know yet that he needs to go to you. It's not on his grid. Again, he's still thinking, okay, great, Jews and Samaritans. He's not thinking anybody who's not of Jewish descent or not connected 
halfway as a Samaritan. And so Peter has this vision, and God's trying to get his attention, basically, to say, hey, guess what? Everything's changed now because of Jesus. All that stuff is, is different now. And so what you thought was unclean, I've now made clean. And so as soon as Peter wakes up after having the vision three times, he hears the Holy Spirit speak to him because he's, he's now following the Spirit. He's now being guided by God in his life. He's now no longer has to see something with his eyes. He knows it in his heart. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, there's men outside. Go immediately with them. Go wherever they take you. I mean, this is some wild stuff right here. You know, somebody knocks at the door, and, you know, I've never had that happen, but uh, I need to be open. Babe, see you later. God told me whoever knocks at the door next, I'm just supposed to go with them, and they're going to drive me to another city and see what happens. You're like, hey, that, when you say it like that, it sounds a lot freakier, right? When you read in the Bible, you're like, oh, yeah, of course Peter's supposed to do that, right? But you're like, no, it's like Don, you know, Pastor Don's like, see you later, babe. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know who this is, but I'm getting in the car with them. You know, you're like, okay, Don. <laughs> You've probably seen that happen before, huh? <laughs> so Peter arrives at Cornelius' house, and he goes, what are you all doing here? And, he's, and they say, we, we just saw an angel that said sin for you, so tell us whatever's in your heart. And so he says, guess what? Here's what's in my heart. Let me preach the gospel to you. So he says, let me tell you about Jesus. And he's still preaching. He's preaching, and he as he's preaching, let's go ahead and read that. I think that's where I... Yeah, that's where I pick up. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, he was going through it all. He was going through the Old Testament. He's saying this is what Jesus is the promised one from the prophets and forgiveness of sins in his name. While, P- While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the Jewish ones, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, guess the sermon's over. That's what Peter said. (laughs) Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. So they actually did it, you know, backwards. They got baptized in water afterwards and did all that. They're like the Holy Spirit's like, we're just going to jump start here. Uh, you know, there's, there's no, it is, doesn't have to be an order for God. God's going to, he's going to come and do what he wants to do. But here again, we have now someone who's outside of the faith of the Jews. The Samaritans were halfway connected, you know, who receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says, they received the Holy Spirit just as we have. In other words, they saw the same things that day as they saw on the day of Pentecost. They may not have seen the fires. We don't know that. We just know that they saw, whatever they saw there, they said, that looks like the upper room, man. This is exactly what happened to us, and we now know that God is is doing the same thing among you. And so here's the last one, Acts chapter 19. Everybody doing okay? just want to let you know that this is all throughout the Scripture here in, in the account of the church. This is the, these are the first stories of what the church looks like, what the people of God are meant to look like. So this is, this is many years later. So this is not right in the same time period. 
this is Paul. Saul has now become Paul. He's gone on several missionary journeys. Uh, and so he comes to uh, Ephesus. And it says, verse chapter 19, verse 1, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. Okay? So they're disciples of, of somebody. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So basically, here's the deal. These guys knew about John the Baptist, but they didn't quite know all the story about Jesus and, and salvation and all that. So he says, he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. So on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They're like, okay, we're in. We like Jesus, yes, we re, we're all in for him because their hearts had been prepared by the message of John the Baptist getting all the way to Ephesus somehow. So when Paul, and then when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and guess what happened? And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. And so here's, here's the other kicker that happens here. Paul continues to teach and preach. In verse 10, it says, This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And God did ex- ex- extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. It's kind of fascinating to me that in Ephesus, God chose to use 12 guys too. Paul shows up and says, have you heard about Jesus? They're like, no, but we're ready. Let's receive him. So they receive Jesus. They, are, they receive salvation. Then right away, Paul doesn't wait and say... Now we're going to go through a bunch of teaching here. We're going to, you know, once you work your way up, uh, then we'll be ready for the Holy Spirit stuff. No, that's not how it works with God. Once you receive Jesus, you're ready for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the Bible, they, they did stuff really quickly. It says they were baptized. They were probably baptized in water. They're probably like, where's the water? <laughs> Boom. Okay, now you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love hearing, I don't remember what island it was, about the account of was that in the Cambodia area where they went to the island, I think? And so this lady was sent. She got, she received Jesus and had a miraculous encounter with God. And so she goes to this remote island. They send her off. And none of these people, uh, there was somebody who died, right? And she's raised back to life. And all she does is preach Jesus. And they receive Jesus. Then she says, here's what you do next. Get baptized. They're like, okay, let's go get in the water. Boom, they all baptize. Then she says, oh, by the way, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. So she tells them about the Holy Spirit. They're like, okay, we're in too. Boom, the whole place is baptized in the Holy Spirit. They receive the power of God. And that whole island basically came to the Lord. That's kind of what happened here in Ephesus. It says the whole area, the whole region, uh, the whole, like, uh, what is it, Asia? This was Asia Minor, so it's kind of like modern-day Turkey. Uh, that was Asia Minor, that region around there. It says everybody heard the word of the Lord. Why did that happen? Because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the witnesses that God had called them to be. They had supernatural acts happening. They were supernaturally praying and speaking in languages that they did not know in their mind. They were seeing... Uh, miracles and healings and signs and wonders. And the signs were pointing people to receive Jesus and join in with the body of Christ and the people of God. 
And so, all throughout the book of Acts, we see that when people receive the Holy Spirit, that certain kinds of things happen. There's something tangible that happens in your life where you now experience God in a more full way. Some people have this happen at salvation. For some people, they don't have this happen at salvation for whatever reason. But here's the deal. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gateway into the life of the Spirit. If you don't, if you don't have the fullness of the Spirit, it doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. When, you, when you're saved, I guess we should have got the cup out, right, babe? <laughs> so when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside your spirit. You're joined together with God. It says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And so you have the Holy Spirit. And so you, your identity has changed. You're now a son or a daughter of the King. You are, your name is written in the book of life. You're, you're going to heaven. You have eternal life now. You've been set apart for God and you're now His. You now belong to Him. All your sins are forgiven. Your past is gone. It's like God doesn't even, you can't even see it anymore. It says that God, he, he forgets our sins somehow. Somehow God forgets stuff. Okay, he says, I don't know about that anymore. It doesn't exist in my world. Whew, that's good right there. There's some things that we're, we're thinking about over and over again that don't even exist to God. That was free. So, um, so all that happens, but what happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is like, if your cup is, is filled up with the Holy Spirit, now there's an overflow. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is where you begin to overflow, where the life of God flows not just in you, but out of you. Where you begin to touch people, where you begin to see things, and in order for that to happen, God says, you've got to have some power, you've got to have something supernatural happen in your life, and God says, hey, guess what, I'm going to give you a new language. I'm going to allow you to speak in a language that you have never understood before, and it's going to be spiritual, and it's going to be, and here's the deal, here's the big hang-up for people, right? People get hung up on speaking in tongues, or speaking in other languages, and there's a whole lot of reasons why we get hung up with some of this stuff. Now, here's the deal, the goal is not to just speak in tongues, okay, that's what we have to remember, I'm going to address it really quickly here. But the goal is not just to speak in tongues. We gotta remember the goal is to be full of God so that we're a witness. So that the power of God and the love of God. See, that's the thing the disciples had too. Before, when the disciples were following Jesus, they liked all the amazing stuff that happened, but they could care less about all the other people. I mean, when they went to one village, they rejected Jesus and James and John are like, Hey, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and kill all these people, Jesus? And he's like, what in the, <laughs> what is going on? Do you think God does that with us sometimes? What? <laughs> Some of our prayers, God's like, what? <laughs> he's like, you don't know what spirit you're a part of. That's not my spirit. In other words, I came to seek and save the lost. He's like, so the disciples, they didn't get it. I mean, even after Jesus is risen from the dead, what are they, what are they asking about? Hey, God, are you going to set up your kingdom now so we can sit with you and have like the high places and live a posh life? And Jesus is like, guess what? (laughs) 
You, in fact, are going to be empowered with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be just like me, and just about all those guys died for their faith, just like Jesus died. Some of them were even nailed to crosses. They did not love their lives even unto death. How did that happen? It was supernatural. Before the, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, before the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit on their life, they didn't care. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit does two things. It gives you the love of God in a greater measure and the power of God in a greater measure because you need both. Because if I don't care about people, I'm not going to go and use what God has given me to touch their lives. And look, even in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, look, it's better if you just love. If you can pick just one, God says, hey, pick love. I mean, ultimately, he says, I want both. Because Jesus had both. The disciples had both. They had the love of God and the power of God in their lives. And so the, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is unlocking the love of God in a greater measure so that you can love someone else. And then you want to do something for them. Because when your heart is moved for someone by the heart of God, that's when God releases His blessing. That's when God releases His power. That's when He does something supernatural. So a lot of times the work that has to happen is, is in the heart. I believe the hearts of the disciples were changed that day too. Peter now cared that those people on the day of Pentecost, he cared that something happened to them, that they encountered Jesus, that they come into the kingdom. But in order to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, you have to be willing to allow God to do something in you that you may not be comfortable with. Maybe you're fine. you're like, man, I'm fine with speaking in tongues, but I'm not comfortable with praying for someone on the street. Then he's like, guess what? That's what we're going to do. <laughs> you ever notice if, God, if you tell God, I'm never going to do that? He's like, <laughs> I'm never going to do that. You're like, God's like, well, that was interesting that you brought that up. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Let's go, let's go, we're going to head that direction because you're holding on to that instead of me. So there are several things that can hinder us from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and releasing the gift of tongues and other gifts of the Spirit. Hold, here's the deal. Sometimes in the Spirit-filled churches, we've only focused on tongues rather than, hey, there's all kinds of gifts of the Spirit. There's healings and, and miracles and faith and, and prophecy and all kinds of stuff that needs to be released as well. So we want everything that God wants, but it, many times it seems like that receiving this gift is like a doorway to it. So hindrances to receiving. There's a few hindrances that I've seen uh, happen in people's lives that hinder them from receiving the fullness of the Spirit in their lives or releasing that fullness. Uh, number one is unforgiveness. Kind of like Simon, he, he's like, he had, you know, he, it says he believed in Jesus, so he got saved, but he still had some issues that were going on in his heart where he's like, I'm going to just, here, can I give you some money because I just want that power. Again, that's the whole deal is, is like we're not here signing up. I just want to see, I want God to do some cool stuff. No, it's like, hey, my heart is right. I want your heart aligned to me so that my heart is released with my power. That's what Jesus wants with the people of God, with his followers, with his sons and daughters. Uh, he wants his sons and daughters to look like they belong in his family. 
But unforgiveness, it just says, like Simon says, hey, there's bitterness in your hearts. If there's bitterness in your heart, that, that hinders you from receiving all kinds of stuff from God. It's probably the number one hindrance. Number one hindrance from receiving from God is, is you got something towards somebody else. And here's, how you, here's, here's a great test to do it. Think about that person standing next to you in worship at church. Would you be able to worship? Or would you be thinking about them? That's, how you, that's, a, that's one way to test to know, hey, do I need to forgive somebody? You're like, ouch. I'm saying ouch here. Can this guy stop? Uh, whatever it is. And here's the deal. You don't have to find somebody to forgive. Let God reveal that to you. Some things you don't know about. If you don't know about it, then God's not dealing with it at that moment. But there's, if there's something in the moment that he's like bringing up, you may need to forgive someone. I've seen and heard many stories about when people release forgiveness, they immediately receive. Sometimes they immediately release their prayer language that they've never been able to release just by the act of forgiveness and the healing that goes on in their hearts because now they're ready to receive and release. So that's one of the hindrances. So a good, a good thing to do if you've, you know, and I've, I've prayed before and I feel like nothing's happening and it's really tough is like, say, God, is there any, is there anybody that I'm holding bitterness against? Do, do I need to be free from that? so that you can flow through me uh, rivers of living water, as it's just in John chapter 7. Number two is lack of faith. When I, here's the deal. When I was uh, prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I was 11 years old, I was at a camp meeting, and there was like, uh, the guy up front was the speaker, and he was, he was awesome. He was so cool, and he was talking about this stuff. And for some reason, even though I grew up in a four-square church and my parents believed all this stuff, I never really paid attention or something. And this is the first time I heard about all this stuff. I'm like, whoa, this is very fascinating. Uh, this guy's praying in tongues, and this language sounds amazing. And this is awesome. There's all kinds of cool things that God's doing. And I want that. So when he's like, we're going to come forward and pray. So I'm like, I'm going to come forward. And so I get up there, and guess what? He doesn't pray for me. No, I get somebody else. I get this young girl. I mean, she looked young. I was 11. I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm thinking, man, she looks like she's 12. (laughs) This is just in my 11-year-old mind. Uh, I don't claim to understand the mind of an 11-year-old anymore. But at the time, I remember this, and I, I mean, she was probably a young person that was a helper in the camp. I, I literally don't remember. She's probably like, like Cooper's age or something. She's probably like 18. But she looks like she was 12. So so I got up to her, and guess what? I was like, oh, man, I didn't get him to pray for me. And so it was like this. this I wasn't expecting. I was like, man, I'm not sure this is going to happen now. And guess what happened? Nothing. I mean, I prayed the right words, then I tried to figure it out. And so, you know, if you expect nothing to happen, guess what? Probably nothing's going to happen. Sometimes, here's the deal. Sometimes God just says, I don't care what you're believing, I'm just going to do it. Sometimes, I've seen that with people, like God just says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not waiting around anymore, we're just going to get after this. But sometimes God says, I want you to grow and understand and believe and trust me and, and want this. It says, 
you know, in the book of Matthew and Luke that we ask for the Holy Spirit and the, and the Father is faithful to not give us a snake or something else. No, He's going to give the Holy Spirit. He's going to give something good that we ask for. Uh, the other part of lack of faith that we might not think about is this, is we overthink it. Really, when you're overthinking, you're really in a place of unbelief. When you're trying to figure it out in your mind and go, that's kind of what I did too. It was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to speak in tongues. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, okay, I've heard Hebrew before. Even back then, I've heard some, some Hebrew language. And I've heard this other guy praying in tongues. So there's got to be something similar to that that comes out of my mouth. So so I, I, had this, I had this little bit of language that I just made up. And I was like, well, that kind of sounds like it. I mean, I could still say it right now. It was, I said it for a long time because it took me a long time to just release this overthinking thing in my head where I was trying to make it happen. Anytime we're trying to overthink and figure everything out, out about God, here's the deal. You're in unbelief. It's because you lack faith just to trust him. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest to say, if you have to figure it all out in your head, you're not trusting Jesus. You're trusting your mind. You're trusting your ability to get it all squared away and straightened out so that it's all lined up so that who's, who's God in, the, in that scenario? You are. You've put your mind and yourself and your way of figuring things out on the throne rather than him. And Jesus is like, look, I'm not going to pour out my spirit. It's not going to be good for you to have power if you don't have your mind and heart in the right place. Because he doesn't want to just release power. He wants his heart. So sometimes that overthinking thing, you've got to just shut your mind off and quit trying to figure it out. When you pray in tongues, you don't hear it in your head. You're not going to hear words in your head. You're not going to... I mean, some of you are no, some, and for some of you, it's a long journey, just like me. I don't even know when I started praying in the Spirit, praying in my prayer language for the first time, because I think God had me, just had to get me to quit thinking about it till I finally realized, oh, that's it. And it's not the words I made up in my head when I was 11 years old. Number three. No, that was part 2A. <laughs> that was part 2 of number 2. If you want to put it as 3, that's fine. Uh, 2A and B. A is lack of faith, B is overthinking. Okay, part 3 is wrong teaching. This doesn't happen as much as it used to, uh, but sometimes people grow up in a church that says, this is not God. And I know there's still some out there, but I, f I feel like the, God has done a great work in the body of Christ where there's not, it's not so, it's not so adversarial, where people are not actively preaching against the fullness and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there was a time when it happened a whole lot more. Uh, 
probably before I was born. But uh, I, I didn't grow up in that, so I don't know what that's like. But sometimes you've grown up all your life saying, this stuff's bad. This, you, know, you can't lose control of yourself. You know, we, this may be the devil. And so you've got all these thoughts going in your head, even if I'm talking about it and I'm showing you, here's what the Bible says. This is what the Bible said happened. The Bible doesn't say this would stop happening. There's nowhere where it says this was just for a certain period. And then now that you know, you're smarter, you don't need all this. It doesn't make, there's no logical reason and there's no biblical reason to not believe that the fullness of the Spirit in the book of Acts is available today. But there are still some that have taught that or have grown up under that teaching or have made, you know, you've made a vow to God. You've made a promise. I'm never going to do one of that crazy stuff like I've seen other people do. So then your vow is holding you captive from receiving from God in that moment and you need a break that agreement, basically that's what a vow is, you're making an agreement with something that is not true. You're agreeing with a lie. When you agree with a lie, you empower the enemy. The only way to empower the enemy in a Christian's life is if you agree with a lie because he has no right on or hold upon you because you're a child of the king now. And so no wonder the devil has tried to confuse this whole thing to make it this and that or make people you know do stuff that's not god and call it god because there have been people that have done stuff that they get up in front of people and do stuff and it's not god it's it's them or worse it could be the devil and so you got all this confusion and so sometimes you just have to lay all that aside whether that's the wrong teaching maybe it's your experiences maybe it's the things that happened before and say you know what god i'm going to trust you i'm going to trust the god of the bible i'm going to trust the jesus that's in here the jesus that is pouring out the spirit and i'm going to believe that he's going to do that today and so sometimes you just have to say god i repent of believing those things and i renounce that wrong teaching I renounce what I said before. I, I, I cancel that out. I'm going to trust that what you say in your word is true. Sometimes, number four is this, a lot, and a lot of these things too have to do with receiving healing from God. All these same things happen. Really, it's receiving anything in the spirit. Unforgiveness and lack of faith and wrong teaching sometimes bring hindrance in our lives. The other thing is, is if you've ever been involved in the occult or any kind of uh, occult movement of any kind, you need to renounce that. You need to say, you need to break the tie of your life that has been joined to the enemy in any way of, of witchcraft or anything like that. Uh, if you've gone through that, you played with Ouija boards as a kid, just, just say, Lord, Lord I'm just gonna, I break any agreement or any influence in my life that, that I gave over to darkness. And so sometimes that can be a hindrance too because there's, there's, multiple spiritual things going on. Hey, we believe that, yeah, there is a dark side of the Spirit, but the good side, the God side, is way greater. And so we want to align ourselves with what He's doing. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the fullness of God. It says in Ephesians 3 that you might be filled with all the fullness of God in our lives. And then it says, He will do beyond what you ask or think or ask or imagine, and you'll begin to see things that you've never seen before. I have seen more miracles and more amazing things being a part of this body of believers and beyond and traveling to other nations and all stuff in the last 20 years than I did in the first 20 years of my life. Because God is is increasingly releasing people. It's not about just the dude up front at church and just having it at church. 
And so that's the key thing we want to get from this. But do you want to say anything? Before I res- we do response? Yeah, I preached too long. I thought my wife might get up and give give something, but eh, she didn't have time this week. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so here's the deal. It's great to teach on this, but we need to pray. We need to pray. And I know I did a lot of information today. Maybe I tried to do too much, just like somebody last week. <laughs> Won't name any names. It's a, it's a fatal trap that we fall into sometimes. But I believe that God wants to release stuff in our lives. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to give you that opportunity today. We want to give you an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. If you've struggled with this thing, you're like, man, I've been prayed for a bunch of times. Hey, see if God reveals something that's hindering you in some way. Uh, Believe that you receive and you will have. Some of you may just say, I just feel like I just need to be have a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the deal. The apostles in Acts 2 were filled. But then it says, guess what? In Acts 4, they were filled again. They kept needing to encounter God. And so you might just say, I just need to, you know what? I've had encounters with God, but it's been a dry season, and I don't know why I'm in that dry season. Will you pray for me? And so we're going to have a few of our leaders come up, uh, Ashley, Dave, Ronnie, and Carlene. Would you all be willing to pray? This is Don and Gina Hazlett. They were here preaching last week. They're pastors. They're safe to pray. If, if you all weren't here last week, didn't meet them, and are like, who, who are they? Uh, they're, they're four-square pastors, so uh, they'll pray. Um, and if we need some more, uh, we'll, we'll grab some more. Tommy, if you'd be ready, maybe too. And um, I don't know, anybody else. Let's see. I don't want to put somebody in an awkward position either. So just if you're, if you're someone else. Um, Ronnie and Carlene will be in the back there. Why don't you all just stay where you're at? If you, if you, if you want prayer from these, you, of course, are coming. Did I say your name? So let's get, uh, let's just have, uh, Lisa, I'm going to go up and play. Can you come sing with me if you're willing to? Unless you need to re- feel like you need to respond. Okay, so I'll, I'll play, and that way any of the other worship team, if you need to pray for people or receive prayer, uh, we'll just go ahead and sing uh, Holy Spirit one more time. So I'm going to invite my wife to pray over this time, and then we're going to respond. Jesus, you're so good. And we love, we love this, that you would see fit to send your Holy Spirit to empower us. And so, Father, we just, we thank you right now for every heart just being opened to what you're saying and to what you're doing. I just speak to every spirit, and I tell you, just begin to open up to what the Spirit of God is doing. Father, thank you for positioning us to receive from you. 
And that for each one of us, the the fullness of the Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, whatever we want to call it, it, it might look different for each of us, but it's the same. So we invite you to just pour yourself out. God, I pray right now that you would stir hearts that need to respond, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, be so covered in insecurity or fear to walk to the front, but that this morning we would say, I want this. I need this. And we thank you, God, that that act of faith of walking towards the front will activate you inside of them in a new way. Thank you, Jesus, for sending us all out, every person in the house, just full and ready for another week to be your witness, to be you to our hurting city and our world. In Jesus' name, amen.